Hello and welcome to God's Gym, the podcast where we consider how we can reach our full potential as human beings, physically, mentally and spiritually. Jesus said he has come that we may have life in abundance and we ask what is abundant life and how can we live it? I am Mark, an army chaplain, and with me is Paul, an army scripture reader. And today we're talking about food, one of my favorite subjects, and in particular, animal products. Should we eat them? Are there alternatives? Should Christians be vegetarians or worse, vegans? Now, this is a meaty subject and something I think we can get our teeth into. In recent years, we've heard increasingly that food production is having a massive impact on the environment. Beef in particular singled out for its devastating impact on water, land, biodiversity, hormone use, and all those kind of things. And then there is the devastating impact on overfishing in the oceans and all kinds of health implications on aspects of of eating meat itself. So cancer rates, blood pressure, uh, and so on. It seems that eating meat is overall unsustainable and also unhealthy for us. Paul, good morning. I've got to be honest with you. The smell of bacon is a primal thing, isn't it? But my favorite food is actually sausages. What about you? Good day to you, Mark. Um, to be honest with you, I like the simple things in life. I, I like chicken wrapped with either bacon or parma ham, sprinkled with a, a coating of blue cheese. But apart from that, I'm actually pretty easy. Okay, but I, then I take it you're not a vegetarian. Absolutely not. Okay, but let's talk about the issue then, shall we? So first of all, let's set the context. Why is this an issue for Christians? And it's an interesting one. When we read the Bible, perhaps the most important book of the Bible that sets the background, sets the the foundation for everything that is to come is the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis talks about animals and humans being created in the same day, both sharing the breath of life. God actually commands the humans to name the animals and to look after them, but not to eat them, to, to eat plants instead. The animals are brought to Adam to, to name uh, because it's not good for man to be alone. Maybe there's the, 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 the origins of us looking after dogs and cats and things like that. And Genesis 1 does define humans as uniquely made in the image of God, male and female equally. So they're different from animals and we're granted dominion over the animals. But at the end of the chapter, as I say, a vegetarian diet, if not a vegan diet, seed yielding plants, fruit from the trees for food, all that kind of stuff, but no permission to kill the animals. However, very quickly, if you read the book of Genesis, that you discover things fall apart and things then change. And the very first animal sacrifice is carried out by God himself. And then in Genesis 9, following the flood, God allows humans to kill animals for food. So then you see, as the Bible goes on, you get God feeding the Israelites in the wilderness with quail. Well, he then demands animal sacrifices. And you get to the New Testament and you see, for instance, Jesus on the day of resurrection, meeting his disciples on the beach, they have a barbecue, they cook fish. And when the early church then begins to grow beyond Jerusalem and move out into the wide world and impact the world of the Gentiles from a small Jewish group moving out into the wider Gentile world, God gives the apostle Peter a vision, a tablecloth descends from heaven filled with food of all kinds, but particularly meats, animals of all kinds. And he says, all are now good for eating, implying that actually 
actually the good news of the gospel is for all people. So from a perfect creation and, and a vegan diet, we then see things go downhill rapidly. But then towards the end of the, the Bible, the book of Revelation, looking to the future, the world to come, we see the lion eating straw like an ox. We see no further bloodshed. So we live in this, this time, according to the Bible, between creation and the new creation. And it seems that eating meat is part of who we are. Now, it does still raise some questions for us as Christians, doesn't it? Because as we said, there are all kinds of issues of stewardship, implications for the planet, as well as general health. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, and I know we'll probably be touching on this a little later on, but when you do think of the environment and the greenhouse gas emissions and so on and so forth and raising livestock in, in large uh, numbers, yeah, I, I can understand why, why Christians uh, may take that stance of, of embracing a, a, a vegan diet, a, a vegan outlook in their lives. It's interesting though, isn't it? it in a straightforward legal perspective for the Christian, you know, the Bible doesn't raise any objections. Indeed, the Apostle Paul says this, eat whatever is sold in the market without raising any question on the grounds of conscience. He, he specifically mentions meat, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. So there is a sense where some people of his day were vegetarian and some were eating meats, um, particularly meats from, uh, from a pagan source. And he says, look, it's just food. Don't worry about it. The most important thing is how you relate to one another. And he goes on, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. So, you know, there is no legal issue here for the Christian, is there? You, you can you can eat meat or you could abstain from eating meat. The important thing is, well, ultimately love, how we love one another and relate to one another. So, Paul, we need to love one another. The vegan and the carnivore need to get on together. Is that too much to ask? No, I, I don't think so, Mark. Um, yes, you're very touched on the fact that God used food laws in the in the Old Testament. And of course, when you fast forward to the, the New Testament, do we, what do we find? That we find food had begun to cause divisions even within Christians themselves. And so when you look at the Bible, it does leave with us some big principles, how we are to interact with those who would be uh, embracing the vegan lifestyle, those who would be embracing the vegetarian lifestyle, and those which I number myself amongst, who would embrace the meat-eating lifestyle. You know, at the end of the day, Mark, um, the Bible tells us that Christ is Lord. And so whether we eat or don't eat, we, we, we do that to the Lord. In other words, we make honouring Him the priority in all the decisions that we do, in, including how to eat. And without a shadow of a doubt, we aren't to, we aren't to judge. We, we shouldn't be looking down or despising someone else's choice on this. Of course, we can't take the high moral ground uh, and say we're right and you're wrong even about food choices but I, I do believe we have to follow our our conscience you know in all things we are as you already said we are to act in love towards others whether we eat this or we don't eat that so it's it's a fruity subject and it is enough to drive you nuts really isn't it but there are other considerations you, you know what about animal welfare as we said what about the environment what about the impacts of the types of farming on other people we're told to love our neighbors as we love ourselves well you know we know that that industrial farming has an impact on the world in which we live and on the people that live in that world. Now, you know, again, there are other considerations. If you're into weight training, 
training, for instance, we need protein. We need protein for, for your muscles. Is there a, are there different ways of getting protein into your body and so on? So let, let's look at the, some of those topics. Let's look at the issue of animal welfare. Paul, do you have any animals? Do you have any pets? Yes, Mark. We've always been a household that's always had pets of some shape or size running around. Um, on a sad note, our little um, cat passed away just over a, a week ago. So now that well, I've said goodbye to my two dogs over the last couple of years, and now little Sam's gone. And so all we're left with now is with three chinchillas. Yes, actually three massive chinchillas in a big cage that sits in our front room. But yes, I, I, I do love animals. That is awesome. I'm really sorry about the cat. But it does it does illustrate, doesn't it, that we, by nature as human beings, we, in some sense, we reflect God's nature because God made a world in which we're told every creature has its own place. He has compassion on every living thing. He calls upon Adam and Eve to be stewards of that creation. Of course, Adam and Eve leave us a real mess. And so creation groans until until God sends that person who's going to rescue creation. And just in case you think that's all big picture stuff, Jesus, for instance, reminds his followers that not a single sparrow is forgotten in God's sight. But we do have an issue, don't we, with, with industrial food production nowadays, where there are, there are such massive industrial systems that seem to put suffering in, in the way of animals in, in ways that you've got to say, I'm not, I don't think they're glorifying God or, or allowing those animals to thrive in the environments that they're in. I mean, even fish nowadays comes from intensively farmed environments, or, or if it's wildly caught, it could be caught using unsustainable fishing practices. There's a real issue as far as that's concerned. The large-scale production of, of even dairy and eggs entails the killing of, of, for instance, male animals surplus to requirements, or female animals once their productivity has declined. They're, they're, these are real challenges, aren't they, for those who care, as I know you do, about animal welfare. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And if what I'm led to be true, and I don't see why it's not true, but when you go onto the World Wide Web and you Google a few things... We- the information that we are receiving is that the vast majority of farmed animals are actually being raised in industrial systems that subject them to, to so much unnecessary suffering and they themselves as animals are living impoverished lives and when I think of those animals compared to the, my, my pets for instance um, there's no way that I would I would ever uh, let my little dogs or cats or whatever they may be have unnecessary suffering in their own lives so if that's how we embrace our, our pets then surely we should be looking at um, those animals that are in the food chain. We should be caring for them to a certain, to a certain extent and how they're being mass produced just to, to fill the shelves in our in our shops and to, to fill our, our plates as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, then we look at the, the environmental impact. So there's an impact. Anything that impacts the world impacts everybody, doesn't it? Whether you're a vegetarian or a carnivore. And deforestation and the production of greenhouse emissions from industrial farming is another issue that, that does have an impact on every human being living on the planet. Apparently, reducing consumption of animal products is one of the quickest ways to reduce the carbon footprint. There is a massive carbon footprint from industrial animal agriculture. And and then the, the local issues. I remember living in Wales and, and the issue of intensive farming and the release of waste products into the local water systems, creating algal blooms. Every year, the algal bloom would come up and all the life in the river would be killed. And, and that would 
become almost a, an annual event. And of course, the production levels of animals for consumption squeezes out land and habitat for wild animals. In the year 2000, the biomass of domesticated animals for the whole planet exceeded all of that of the wild land animals by 24. So 24 times domesticated animals existed on the planet in the year 2000, and I imagine it's even bigger than today. The biomass of domesticated chickens is three times that of all wild birds on the planet. It's, it's incredible. The numbers, the figures are incredible. And so there's increasingly little space for wild animals as their habitats are uh, taken over by intensive farming. And, and meat and dairy farming, even in their least intensive forms, have an impact upon land use, greenhouse gases, pollution, freshwater use, uh, and all of that. You know, one kilo of beef requires something like 15,000 litres of water to produce. And of course, a lot of places around the world, perhaps not so much in Northern Ireland, but around the rest of the world, fresh water is an increasingly important resource. So that's got to be a consideration, hasn't it? The environmental impact. Yeah, and of course, there's other impacts. Just to, to name the few that you've already mentioned, you know, concern for animals, concern for human welfare. And of course, setting them things to the side, I suppose we have to consider our own physical buildup, our makeup. Um, we should be adopting probably a more a more healthy diet. Yep. And, and and that, you know, that love for ourselves, you know, from a from a selfish perspective, there is very good evidence that going vegetarian can have a transformative effect on, on your health. You know, from, from the very simple and common sense focus on eating enough vitamin rich fruit and vegetables, less processed meat. You know, the Bible tells us our, our bodies are the temples of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that bacon can kill you? I mean, this is horrifying. Did you know bacon can kill you? Well, if a box that falls on your head? That could, that could happen. But also, one strip of bacon apparently can take nine minutes off your life. So someone studied that. Oh, right. So I didn't know that at all, Mark. That's two, two strips of bacon, 18 minutes. So, is it worth it? So that means that the chicken that I wrap around with bacon is a no-no? Oh, don't tell me that now. I, 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 we need some research on pigs in blankets, I think, don't we? I, I do think so. I do think so. And, and of course, one of the things as Christians, we've got to bear in mind that commandment to love our neighbor raises the care, not only for the animals, but for the people around us. And we know it's well established that uh, it's the poorer and less influential in society that often experience the brunt of all the environmental and the economic impact. So, you know, there are high levels of meat and animal products affecting human health and particularly processed food help, uh, affecting people with less uh, less available resources to themselves. Now, interestingly, if we take a health perspective and we look at the Bible, the book of Daniel describes Daniel who is, is taken captive by another nation. He and his mates are taken off and they're put into public service and they're told that they are to dress and to eat the way that everybody else dresses and eats in that society. And Daniel doesn't want to do that. He wants to be distinctive as a, a young Jewish man. And so he refuses to eat all the rich food that's brought to him. And he goes on to a completely vegan diet of, of vegetables and water. Now, the Bible says after 10 days, the appearance of him and his mates was better than those who didn't stay on that strict diet. There, there appears to be something good about this diet of vegetables and water. Doesn't sound particularly attractive, doesn't it? I, I presume you could do something with the vegetables, but maybe maybe veganism could be good for you? Maybe they're onto something? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, maybe we do consume too much red meat and I know there's been a lot of research. I'm led to 
believe uh, how this can have an impact on on your life. So uh, maybe embracing more vegetables, uh, going down the vegan road, maybe that is the way the way forward. I mean, I'm actually surprised how many celebrities, famous people, uh, would actually embrace this vegan uh, lifestyle. And, and of course, I know in past podcasts I've been talking about strongmen like Eddie Hall and Terry Hollins, but I wonder, uh, did you actually know that there was another strongman just retired quite recently uh, and his name is Patrick Bahumian. Now that's a bit of a, a strange name, but he's actually an Iranian-born German-Armenian retired strongman. He's a former bodybuilder and he is a self proclaimed vegan uh, and this 40 year old athlete has competed in and won several weightlifting and strongman competitions during his career and he's even had uh, world records attributed to to his his career uh, and yet he is a, a vegan whereas most strongmen eat loads of eggs dairy products and meat this strongman he actually follows an entirely plant-based diet uh, and when you compare him with believe it or not another strongman by the name of Brian Shaw Brian Shaw is about 30 stone he needs to consume over 12,000 calories a, a, a day and actually mark he needs to consume 705 grams of protein each day and into that mix he has to consume 1,400 grams of carbs and 399 grams of, of, of fat so even there we have two strong men doing really well in their chosen athletic professions one is entirely fixated with uh, meat eating and the other is living out his life entirely on a plant-based debt so it can't actually work it's amazing isn't it so venus williams tennis player lewis hamilton and and the ultra marathon runner scott jurek uh, they all credit a vegan diet with their their success they actually say eating a vegan diet improves their performance and america's top weightlifter olympian kendrick farris vegan he, he, you know it doesn't hold him back and, and it's strange isn't it as you say with the amount of protein that they must require as well as just the general calories and they're not getting that from meat they're not getting that from animal fats now i know you're building up to a 500 kilo deadlift aren't you you mentioned that a few podcasts ago so uh, how are you going to do that now well um i suppose i'll have to reconsider and rethink of my of my intake will i get enough protein from meat or should i go down the road of of a plant-based I, I don't know i think the jury's out on that at at the moment but yeah you see i i don't understand so eggs and milks they could be sustainable couldn't they now i know the way we do it in an industrial farming way raises all kinds of problems but i'm not sure that i personally i'm going to give up eggs and milk but there are other sources of protein out there and there are other sources for instance there are other sources of milk do you know you can get milk from soy you can get milk from almonds have you ever tried to milk an almond oh uh, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> but, like but plant protein so apparently you know there is a lot of protein in the natural world in all kinds of, of sources so uh, plant proteins apparently the, the the quality of plant proteins is as good perhaps a little bit different it depends on what you're after but you know the nature the quality of protein it's not just found in plants but found in all kinds of other areas uh, as well yeah and of course each individual just as our faces differ just as our personality differs so our intake of protein differs i think the according to national health service they actually recommend that the daily intake of protein should be about 50 grams and of course as you've just alluded to you get that throughout your whole uh, diet throughout the day but i mean if you're six foot four, which I am, and if you're four foot by four, which I'm not saying that's your height, but Mark, what I'm saying is 50 grams may work for somebody who's four foot, but for someone like me, I would need a little tudge, a little bit more, but it all breaks down to uh, what you need and, and why you, you need it. And of course, uh, 
those strong men out there those athletics people out there will understand that there's a lot of websites you can actually visit that offer advice in how much protein you should be eating how many grams per kilo so on and and so forth if you want to become a bodybuilder you have to eat more if you want to lose weight you can actually uh, bring protein actually into your your diet and that helps to fill you up which means you're not eating as much and and then of course you're going to lose weight but yet you know i have to say that in the sports world that the consumption of protein has become a big money-making industry but i think that'll keep for another podcast i think you're right now supplements is a whole other world of pain really isn't it but but actually just in terms of eating and getting the right nutrients and the right the right kind of fuel in our bodies i guess what you're saying is it requires a little bit of thought you need to actually look at it not just take it for granted not just grab the nearest burger but actually prepare yourself and think about what you need yeah and i'm not a health professional by any means but i I certainly do know from what i've read about about your consumption of of protein that you really do you have to uh, think about your own health if you have underlying health issues then too much protein can play havoc but again i'm not here to advise anybody but certainly just to highlight just be careful uh, and whatever choices you do make make sure that that they are choices that you've you've searched into and also too little protein as well especially as we get older we need we need to maintain a certain amount of protein to maintain muscle mass and and strength and, and so on well you know kendrick farris talks about eating peas rice oats flax seeds uh, even mushrooms contain protein so you'd be surprised the variety of things that contain not just protein but all the nutrients that we need but again it seems to be probably true of everything it's about variety it's about not sticking with one thing all the time but mixing it up and and having a good spread of things but it is about thinking about it isn't it giving some attention to what we eat and why we eat what we eat and where it comes from yeah i think we do have that responsibility i think we do have to consider the environment and all those other issues that we have talked about we just can't constantly be drawing on our uh, industrial size cows that are being produced for us in order to to, to meet the needs of the, of the, the the people yeah no no absolutely and one of one of the issues is is the processing of food isn't it you know there is a movement called the clean eating movement i think and it's about eating food that has had as little processing as possible you know i was looking at a tin of soup in my cupboard the other day it had been there for a few years i just wanted to make sure it's still in date and this was tomato soup now guess what percentage of tomatoes was in that tomato soup oh it was tomato soup must have been quite high 15 one five percent and the other main ingredient in that soup was sugar now i'm not being funny if it said tomato and sugar soup (sighs) then okay fine i could get that but it was pretending to be tomato soup and there was there was there was a lot of sugar in that soup what you need to do mark is get yourself a little liquidizer and buy your tomatoes and go fresh my my wife is going down the road of going going fresh which i'm so glad so maybe having heard this next podcast maybe um maybe we'll try the vegetarian diet exactly well it is about the processing isn't it so when you look at some processed food and you look at what's in them it's not just what you think is in it you know a piece of fish or a piece of meat might not just have that in it there's all kinds of other stuff and it's those kind of things i think you know when you talk about bacon it's all the additives that go into the the bacon that makes it taste a particular way uh, or look a particular way that actually they think then causes health problems down the road which then adds those or takes away those minutes off your life as you go through your life listen paul as christians we have a long tradition of abstaining from foods fasting we're we're in the season of lent at the moment tell us a little bit about fasting well as you can probably see from sitting across from me i don't partake in in fasting too much but it has become quite popular actually fasting amongst those wishing to lose weight believe it or not and so they'd be found that they've actually embraced a thing called uh, intermittent fasting so they go 
about food for a couple of days and they train and, and so on and, and, and so forth. But we have to say that fasting has been around for many, many centuries and, and throughout history and across the world, not, not only for religious people, but even for cultural ideas and, and spiritual practices as well. I actually read a definition from a religious point of view in regards to fasting that simply said that fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that in itself is good, like like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. So it's not actually interesting that in a religious context, fasting is to deny yourself something in order to uh, pursue something greater. And of course, um, many Christians will be inspired by the long Christian traditions of fasting from meat and from other animal products on on Fridays during Lent and of course at, at other times. And, and so yeah, fasting, it's been with us for a long time and will probably continue to be around. Yeah, but in some ways, as you say, just to simplify, it seems to be you know, you 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 pause, you you do things differently, and you think about what you're doing. That's what fasting is is pushing you to do, isn't it? To as you say, give give up even something that's good for you, but just to think about then something that's better, or to to think about change and and think about where you're going in life. And I think that's what we're talking about in terms of thinking about our food. You know, think about what is permissible. We can eat meat according to the Bible, but actually, when we think about where our meat comes from, what it's gone through, what impact it has on other people, and so on, there there are some serious issues aren't there yeah i mean i, I think um looking back over the last few podcasts that we've done uh, uh, about issues in regards to our attitudes our, our, our mental health and i remember one we talked about you know when that old chimp starts to rattle its cage and uh, and you're about to make some really indecisive decisions you know press the pause button do you know something why not bring that into our even our food choices and just say listen you know why do i want to do this um is fasting the right road for me am i pausing my food intake for the, the right reasons. And you know, again, that's decisions that you have to make yourself. I'm not here to morally guide you in regards to, to whether you should eat or 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 not eat. But I, I do think and, and believe that the choices that we do make will have a, an impact further down the line. And, and as we have discussed in regards to uh, the vast production of meats that we consume in the world, you know, that I think we do have to pause the button and sort of... Um, and think about what what we are doing to to our our world to our society um, as as human beings, and we are responsible for those animals, I suppose. Because at the end of the day, just as we are created in the image of God, what we find in the animal world are animals likewise that have been created not in the image of God, but yet they've been created, and, and so we have a responsibility for their welfare as as well. Absolutely. So we've got to mention the economic issues because, of course, a lot of the industrial production of meat makes. Meat eat very cheap, doesn't it? Now, there is a challenge for people. If you want to eat well, you want to eat particularly cleanly, you know, that that tin of tomato soup is probably actually really, really cheap, whereas buying a whole bunch of tomatoes and throwing them in a blender costs a bit more. So there is a there is an economic challenge, isn't there? But I think there's also thinking beyond the implications of, of the, the price that actually what you put inside your body affects your body, doesn't it? It affects your mind, it affects your well-being, it affects your mental health, as well as your physical health. So, so it's about, you know, whether you want to spend a bit more on the right type of fuel the right type of of input for your body to enable you to do to live life to the full yeah i mean i i don't know about you but my experience is uh buying fresh seems to cost a little bit more and it doesn't last as long and and so we, we seem to be living in a world now where um that products that we produce mass produce with long life may be cheaper but are they necessarily 
better for us. Yeah. Whereas absolutely. we should be investing for the, the today and for tomorrow and um, looking for guidance along those ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, just bringing it back to, to Jesus, the words of Jesus, he says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. And it, it's strong words, but his, his point is that actually that bacon sandwich doesn't make a huge difference. It's actually what's going on inside your heart and, and not physically. It means morally, spiritually, emotionally. But we are called to think about these things. I think it, it is important as Christians. We may be able to do something. We may have permission to do something. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right to do it, does it? And we have to think about our neighbor, the impact upon the world in which we live, be about being good stewards of the world, the environment, animal welfare, uh, and so on. So, you know, if you enjoy a bacon sandwich and it makes you feel happy, that's got to be positive, hasn't it? But actually, I think thinking about the the, the wider implications are also quite important for us. Yeah, absolutely. And and I suppose the title of the podcast, Can Christians Be Vegans? The answer is absolutely. And can they be meat eaters as well? Yeah, abs- absolutely. The choice is really just down to yourself. Okay, but what I've got to ask is, have I persuaded you to become a vegetarian? No. <laughs> Are you going to go away and think about it? I'll think about it. I'll definitely will. I'll think about it. My, my, I shall explain to my wife the benefits of it all, and then they will, we'll, we'll see. But I'll, uh, it'll be a, a work in progress. <laughs> well, there is so much more that we can say about this and all the subjects we discuss. And if you are listening and you want to let us know what you think, do get in contact via Twitter or Instagram. And if there are topics and issues you'd like us to address, we're always open to suggestions. So until next time, thank you for listening. And remember that you are capable of so much. God tells us that that is true. So keep striving to reach your full potential as God has made you.